Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Read the standing orders, read them and understand them you dicks. It's episode number 226. It was the best I could do because I didn't know what number we were on. Ah, gentlemen. Potty mouth. And people will turn off straight away. Good. Good. Because I don't know what we're going to talk about in this episode. Joining me as ever. I say as ever, but you're not always here. So it's who even knows. Tom, Tom Thrower, you are here often. How are you? I am uh, here lacking in authority and good. <laughs> And David Cowlishaw, you used to be here ever so often, but then life got in the way. But you're here every now and again, and that's nice. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, you can call me Britney Spears if you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gents, we are gathered here today to talk about... <laughs> to commemorate your death. <laughs> Stoke, Stoke City nil, Reading Football Club nil. Ah, losers. Uh, Nil goals for you. Ah, shut up your ass. Ah, before before we go any further, let me provide you, gentlemen, with some three-word reviews from yesterday's game. We have, we didn't lose. Really bloody frustrating. Yay, another draw. (laughs) Masked cigarette on? Question mark. Uh, Performance, no threat. Makama score. Mikel Decent, finally. Mm. Uh, what are goals? Poor up front. Wake me up. Make more subs. Or make make some subs. Oh, another draw. Another wasted tenner. Campbell equals nine plus points. Now, Lee Hawthorne, you've put that in. And I would argue that equals... I know it's a symbol. But Campbell equals nine plus points... As I wouldn't say that's three words, but I'll let you off because it's nice that you commented. <laughs> and then one that is probably a bit more prophetic of this episode: no content podcast. So <laughs> that's good. I think that that is accurate. Tom, oh, give me something to take away from that game because I have no. I'm just so done. <laughs> with this football club right now. It's not even like it's not even like I can complain because it's not like we're bad and losing. It's just such non events football at the weekend. Give me something to hang a hat on, Tom. Um John Omi Bacal seems to have lost his pitch vertigo and realised he is allowed to go into the final third, which was nice. Even if he did it at the speed of I don't know, um, a track and trace NHS app Ooh. being released Ooh. Ooh. satire yeah that's it pay me the we big the BBC should give me a show for shit like that um, <laughs> I don't know it was okay I guess that was it that's the thing we're not even bad enough to get angry at anymore well, like I was reading today on Twitter, and I, I I have no idea who tweeted it, and I have no idea what I'm actually describing. I can't remember the name for it, but it was about this single-celled organism that lives at the bottom, <laughs> that lives at the bottom of the Antarctic Ocean, and it's way it's way too big. Like you can actually see it. Like single-celled organisms shouldn't be visible with the naked eye, 
and then they found out that it that it that it single celled organisms should only eat other single celled organisms. They shouldn't like go above that in the food chain. Then they found out it was eating small crustaceans. So it lived oh it's God. bigger than it should be, living at the bottom of the ocean and it uses these weird tentacles to pull crustaceans in. And that's what Stoke are. We just we just <laughs> we don't really have any purpose. We just pull things in. They come here, they die, we drop their husked remains to the floor. And that's where it ends. There's nothing else. What, There's no punch. What a, what a powerful analogy for a football club we all love. A single-celled organism that just sucks up the the remains <laughs> of other things and kills everything. Jesus, Tom. Powerful, I'll find powerful what it imagery. Called. I'll find what it's, it's called. It's powerful. It, uh, on, on the quest highlights... Uh, Colin Murray and friends mentioned that oh Stoke we have a lot of experience but we seem to be missing pace and pace is a word we've used quite often on this podcast. <sighs> Dave, how do you make this team fast? <laughs> um, God, God uh, illegal drugs. Um, <laughs> just, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, we 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 do sorely sorely need pace. Uh, we've got two pacey players so i don't know maybe play those ones that you know the lone guys who you know mm. might not be any good but actually you know let's give them a chance um to be honest with you i didn't watch the game uh just getting <laughs> that out there um but i did uh return from a walk for the last 45 minutes of soccer saturday which i feel like is the same and i notice uh they didn't come to ian dowie who was at our game until the 95th minute and uh which kind of gives an indication of how exciting it was. So <laughs> I've, for my kind of summary of the last two to three months of Stoke, uh, I'm just going to quote from an artist who's inspired me a lot. It's uh, Evanescence. Wake me up, wake me up inside. I can't wake up, wake me up inside. Save me, call my name and save me from the dark. Wake me up, bid my blood to run. I can't wake up before I come undone. Save me. Save me from the nothing I've become. Oh, man. Um, I've just so, been, like, so, giving flash... I, yeah. I, I'm, I'll be honest, Dave. You've just induced some kind of, like, scary fear of vertigo there, like, standing on the on the ledge of a of an apartment building mm. in, in a sleepy haze. Oh, man, that... You're bringing back memories there. I don't know. I don't... I mean, I know I'm a little bit... A little bit older than than both of you not by much but i that song i definitely remember being when i was at secondary school and the guy was i was around i was around those the kids who were like oh, just the oh what, what did we get called oh you sweaty you're sweaty mosher but sweaty. every you sweaty mosher <laughs> yeah um and i yeah i like there was definitely a collection of like girl girls who always wanted to be uh, Amy from Ever- Evanescence you've just brought back some weird memories there Dave, that's odd um, uh, but, and equally better than talking about this game talking about the career of Evanescence I think well done uh, I, I thought I would, that would appeal to you Chris, sorry um, Thank you. It, no it did, it did, I, I really appreciate it um, Tom, a lot of comments uh, going towards 
O'Neill's uh, lack of proper substitutions, the fear of subs, as Tom on Twitter has put it, not you, Tom, a different Tom. Is that something we can criticise O'Neill for? It certainly seems to be a recurring thing where people are shouting out for, for some sub and they're coming a little bit later, or he seems to make an odd choice every now and again. What do you feel about his, his substitutions? I think they're shit. I think they're really shit, and it's going quite annoying. Um, now, th- th- there's two solutions to this. Michael O'Neill can look back on the Rotherham game and realise that you know subs can change matches, and I think he's probably fully aware of that. And I think this leads into the second thing that could happen. The problem is we're too close to the playoffs, right? We're, yeah. we're it's like there's a carrot dangling in front of us. Of oh you know what maybe we could get in the playoffs this season that would be nice wouldn't it and I think O'Neill still thinks we could get into the playoffs so he's quite scared of us losing now I'm not reliant on Stoke City winning football matches so um, my, my my the the real solution to the subs problem because the, my argument is that O'Neill's too scared to lose a match so he's really hesitant to make a sub which risks losing the match in an effort to win. So this is an, a heartened uh, plea to the likes of Bournemouth, Middlesbrough, Blackburn, Bristol City uh, and Preston. Please start winning some football matches so we can get <laughs> much further away from the top six and start playing football. Because that's the only solution. I think that's the only thing we can do is rely on everyone else to get themselves into gear, which they won't do because it's a championship and everyone's shit, which is what makes it fun apparently. So yeah, we're never going to make a sub. We can use, we can literally change half of our outfield players, and I can't remember the last time we made a sub before the sixty fifth minute. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Uh, Matt Deg O two on Twitter says, "Well, this was his three word review. People overreacting again." Now. I, I, I've, I've not. To be fair, I've not seen anyone like absolutely going mad and thinking that this is the end of days. But I can understand people being a bit. Well, just like I am, I'm very, very bored of watching us play. <laughs> I think I commented on Twitter that I don't think I need to. I, I don't think I need to watch the games anymore. But I could still give an accurate review of, of what happens because it's the same, same every week. Ah, uh, I, I, have any of you seen people? Going mad? I mean, I think the problem with social media is... because, Well, particularly with Twitter, is very much... Because your timeline is honed to you and you follow the people you follow, it's very hard to gauge a um, sort of overall impression of what fans are saying. Um, and Because like, even if you do follow every single Stoke fan on Twitter, you're still following those ones on Twitter and you're not, uh, and you're discounting the ones who aren't on Twitter. And so when people make general sweeping statements that kind of add a sort of level of narrative to this is the opinion of the Stoke fans, it's, it's very, very dangerous because, yes, it might be true that some people are overreacting, um, but... I think the majority of tweets I've seen, and again, these are the tweets that I'm I'm seeing, is people just reacting rather than overreacting mm. or even uh, over uh, underreacting. So, 
I think most people are like us in that they are bored by recent games because no, nothing's happened. Um, <laughs> and th- that that does not equate to thinking Sack O'Neill, it's shit. Mm. Um, I think most people do recognise that this is a sort of transition kind of season and um, and I think a lot of people are maybe just not that enthused because it's not uh, a, a proper football season where they go to the games yeah. and have that whole experience as well. So it's a combination of, of factors as to why people are a bit down in the dumps. But I don't think it's unfair criticism that O'Neill's been getting, um, nor do I think... Um, that there is this narrative of people overreacting going on. It might be true for certain people that that person happened to be following, but it's like it's like tweets. You get tweets saying, "Oh, the people overreacting. They're the younger fans who have been spoiled by the <laughs> Premier League." And you're like, "Well, that's not true. I follow plenty of." Sorry, that sounds weird. I follow <laughs> I follow plenty of people under the age of thirty who um, who I consider quite sensible and quite sane and aren't overreacting so it's it's broad sweeping I, statements that just just grind at me a bit just I, like, I, I, I yeah i tell you what and this isn't like this isn't aimed at anyone in particular who's like mentioned are oh, people you, you know how you you do like picking up on that uh oh the young people have been spoiled it's that same thing of Oh, you you don't know how lucky you are. We had it bad back in back in our day when we went in the eighties and we were really shit and blah blah. And, and like, I I well, completely understand. I completely went understand. in the seventies were spoiled, weren't they? We actually <laughs> well, won a bloody is, trophy. <laughs> this is the thing. It's like I I complete. I get I get where you're coming from. Where it's like you oh you guys you don't know how how lucky you are. You've you you haven't seen it as bad as as bad as we have. But equally, like. Firstly, it's not the four Yorkshiremen sketch. It isn't a case of like, oh, in my day, our team was so shit they were non-league. It isn't. It isn't a sketch. And also, like, yeah, do you know what? Some of our younger fans have only experienced a decade of Premier League, and so it's gonna irk them somewhat more when after after seeing such good football that they're now having to see this i completely understand and that's not that's not our fans being ungrateful that's our fans wanting better for the for the team i don't see that as i don't see i don't see that as a as, as a as a massive issue no good on them it's the same same argument as people saying oh you should when, when we got rid of Pulis, oh, oh you should be careful what you wish for no no we, you should be wanting your team to improve if you do not want your team to be playing better than it is then why are you watching football if the dream is not for your team to be the best team in the country even if it's a long shot what is your dream for football because if your dream is oh yeah i oh i'm so looking forward to my team just finishing mid-table forever and ever like that is no dream at all surely i think Uh, aspiring aspiring to be just a little bit better than the absolute worst you've seen them is no way to follow sport i think again that's i'm gonna sorry and that's not to say that i do not appreciate the people who've who are are saying oh you don't know how lucky you are we've seen it in much worse situations Of, of course of course but 
it's, it's not the young people's fault that they weren't born during a period where where that was <laughs> the case. It's, uh... To be fair, we have seen it worse s- since the inception of this podcast. Like, yeah, don't like. It's all well and good saying, oh, yeah, you're moaning because you're spoiled and stuff. Well, the last this is better than the last three or four years have been, <laughs> generally. So, like, if we, we only have to look to recent history to find something this is slightly better than. Yeah. Tom, I think you're probably the youngest person here. Why are you so selfish? <laughs> <laughs> I think on the whole point about, like, the getting worried about seeing criticism and overreaction, I think we might lack the vocabulary or the understanding to sort of as a fan base as a whole because of the specific context that we've been in and potentially the entire context of modern football um, to hold the idea that you can criticise a manager without wanting to get rid of them. So like Mm. you you have Tony Pulis who at the end of the day was never going to change the way we played football. I mean the entirety of the squad could lose their legs in a freak accident and the Brazil national team could volunteer to step up and, and cover us till the end of the season. And we will still have played exactly the same style of football. Um, And then from then on, pretty much all of our managers have been massive shitheads who you just sort of know that their failings aren't from a, oh, well, we're not quite grasping what we're supposed to do. They're just a bit shit and have shit ideas and don't do very well. But we're now at a stage where I think I've seen it from Sheffield United fans who have been in such a terrible, terrible way this season, but they can still... Obviously, there's some in the fan base who are like, oh, we've got to get rid of the manager because otherwise we're going to get knocked out of the Premier League and that's terrible. Um, but a lot who can be like, ultimately, without Chris Wilder, um, we would be petrifyingly somewhere else. And he has shown throughout his period as a manager that he will adapt and get better and learn. But that doesn't mean you can't criticise him. You can't say, oh, well, this is wrong with the team. This is where we're failing. And I think that maybe some who have tried to defend managers before are a bit petrified of anyone criticising a manager because it's a very slippery slope. I mean, I know I was like that with Nathan Jones. Like, you just <laughs> you refuse to hear criticism because eventually it gets so loud that it's like, uh I don't want to deal with those thoughts. And equally, when we criticise, we're still doing it in that sort of voice of, this isn't good enough, it needs to change. And if it doesn't change, I'm going to get my pitchfork and my torch and be there as an angry mob. I suppose this is just... I, I, I say I suppose this is football in the in a social media age, but I imagine it was very similar pre-social media it's just you maybe didn't hear the amplified voices well i guess everyone's everyone's prone to like reactionary a football's a very emotive game isn't it so you're gonna feel very reactionary to it i guess i don't know and chopping and changing wasn't as big whether that be chopping Mm. and changing of the squad or chopping and changing of sort of managerial staff that that is not a brand new phenomenon but is definitely a modernist shift Mm. It's hard to comment on, isn't it? Because I suppose none of us really have been able to form much of a, an opinion pre this this era. But were I guess, were football fans more patient in the old days? Did they? I don't know. It was slower, wasn't it? News was slower. Everything was to to get the information though. It was like now there was, there was Thatcher. They were worried about <laughs> Thatcher. Was, there um, was. 
and the jungle canyon rope bridges rope. and uh, <laughs> like under Thatcher, you know, you didn't have you didn't have football under Thatcher. No. really. Um, you had um, bit- bitterness and resentment to be focusing on. Mm. Um, mm. So there's that, and obviously, like pre Thatcher, you had uh, the war. And I think a lot of people <laughs> were complaining about the war. Some people were overreacting to the war. Some people didn't, you know, pay the war enough respect, I don't think. I think if the Twitter was around then, you'd be you sort of, you'd get these people saying, you know, give Hitler time. You'll, you'll turn it around. Um, it's, it's all these younger people who don't remember what the First World War was like. They've been spoiled by the Great Depression. Um <laughs> They just back off. <laughs> Neville, Neville Chamberlain knows what he's doing. <laughs> I haven't seen the game, so... <laughs> some, uh, history there. Should we talk about something else, then? <laughs> rather than rather than, than this. Um, it is banded around on the internet of all places. Uh, the the rumours, and Michael O'Neill has, has, has confirmed as much, that a... MLS team is in conversations with Ryan Shawcross about a move. It's understood in the rumours to be into Miami, David Beckham's new venture, as led by Phil Neville? Phil Neville. That's the one, isn't it? Oh, so it's, uh, yeah, Ryan Shawcross potentially coming to the end of his time at Stoke and going to play in America, which I'm... I always imagined he'd like play for us forever and retire at our club, and I'm kind of, kind of sad that that's not the case. You know, is that sad? That's sad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is sad. It's very sad. Um, obviously, I think there's a sort of tacit understanding that this is probably good for all parties, um, in terms of a football transfer. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I was the same as you, Chris. I always kind of thought that. When he did retire, even if he wasn't getting in the team as much, Ryan Shawcross would be a Stoke player when he retired. Because, yes, although technically we signed him from Man United, he does feel like he's been here since the start of his career and just kind of he's just that ever present figure. And it's it's gonna be a very, very emotional day, I think, because you look back on his career, which started in the championship in 2007 scoring mm. against Cardiff City and all the ups and downs of the Pulis era Hughes um and all the subsequent managers like he's just been Brian Shawcross the whole time like even when he has had bad games or made mistakes he's just been an absolute bloody colossus and just he's come back time and time again after being beset with injury problems and you just it's just a big shame that there won't be like the the send off he deserves in terms of either winning promotion or or a or another cup final or um mm. a big sort of career defining event with us because you feel, you feel like he deserved on we we had a cup final with him but you feel like he deserved that moment where it was just like 
in my head it was always he'd score the winner against Arsenal in the cup final. Mm-hmm. But it, we 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 just felt like we we owed him that next that final like bit of celebration almost. Mm. Tom, what do you think? I mean, what can you add to that? That was really yeah, uh, nail on the head. Maybe the only solace that we can take is that of the turmoil of sort of the past five years of the club, he's leaving it in a place now where it, it, it doesn't feel like he needs to stay there just to make sure that, you know, he isn't having to stick his foot or his finger in a, in a hole in the side of the hull as the ship sort of sinks beneath the waves. It does now seem that there's a future for Stoke City beyond Ryan Shawcross, which is a really not fun thing to come to terms with but at least it isn't a petrifying future for Stoke City mm. beyond Ryan Shawcross it's it's it might be a nice we can meet again like end at Lord at Rings and sail <laughs> off into the sunset together <laughs> I think for me the potentially saddest thing is that he could put he could leave because I think the MLS window is still open he could leave and there'd be no fans there to do a proper send-off in person. And I think that yeah. that's kind of a, a, a real a real shame. Um, the talks, obviously, um, he's been with us for, as you say, Dave, uh, well over a decade now. He uh, talks of hopefully the club one day doing a testimonial for him. In that situation, if he was to leave now, I would hope that the club would be able to do something when fans are back. I'm ho- you'd hope that that would be something that I'd, we'd have capacity to do. I don't know. The other thing, and we'll we'll talk about testimonials in a minute because there's a nice there is a good question, isn't there? Uh, on on those, um, we so we got him on loan from Man United, and we paid one million pounds for Ryan Shawcross. Now I know a decade has passed and prices are different now, but can you? Um, how much do you think? Like a club like us would have to pay now for a similar player. Uh, ask Burnley what are our price tags for Nathan Collins. <laughs> I mean that the the, the 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 it's real. That's nice actually. That's quite mm. nicely bookmarked. That we have a obviously he's not the same footballer as Ryan Shawcross, and they're very different centre halves. But the centre backs, sorry. Um, but it's just nice that we've got a nice young one coming through who might be here for just mm. as long. We've got two actually. Two Ryan Shawcrosses. Mm. He's he's a clone. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's very you don't get players staying at clubs for for as as long anymore. That is certainly something that isn't as as prevalent. Players tend to move, um, and certainly there were the odd occasion where Shawcross had been linked with other other clubs, but there was never any serious worry about losing him which always did amaze I mean we're saying this like he's going it may not happen yet but it always did amaze me that no one ever did take a punt on him because there were certainly periods of time where clubs much much bigger than us could have done with him he was like it's a damn shame that his England debut went the way it did because he was really good a really good defender and I, I remember at a time like I think Everton were linked with him. Um, he, I think we were very lucky to have him for as long as we did because he was probably above our level at some point. I, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, 
Um, I think what it kind of unfo- it played against his his career, unfortunately, but played into our hands was the media perception of him. Um, with the way Pulis set up, and of course the Ramsey thing, and uh, the sort of tussling at corners issue, which became a massive thing in sort of later Premier League seasons. Um, that the sort of the narrative around Shawcross felt very um, much like, oh, this is just a classic Tony Pulis hard man and nothing more. And yes, I don't think anyone would argue he's like a classy ball-playing centre-half in that respect. But he's, his positional play was often brilliant. His uh, heading of the ball was brilliant. He read the game very, very well. A partnership with Huth was fantastic. Uh, started out as a threat in the other box as well, but that's slightly declined. Um, mm-hmm. And... So you know, you sometimes you 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 know, having said he's not that good with his feet. Sometimes, you know, in a team that played so many long balls, you need to make sure your long balls are accurate. And his his definitely worked uh, opposition centre halves around. So build that statue. He's he's just, <laughs> it, yeah, like you said, th- 13, 14 years at the club now, and. Wow, yeah, it's very hard for us to do do him justice in this time, but God knows he'll be missed if if and when he does go. Well, we we only have, according to the countdown in this call, eight minutes or so left. So, I, Andy Robinson on Twitter says, "Will Shawcross get a testimonial? If so, what eleven would you like to see at the Bet Three Six Five to celebrate a legend?" Now, I believe we've all done this in different ways. Uh, Dave, I believe you've gone for the opposition, is that correct? Yeah, so I um, pictured the opposition for this game uh, as uh, a beef 11. So Brian Shawcross, for the final match in his career, in his testimonial, gets to settle scores with those who have wronged him uh, in his career. And uh, But now the, the first thing to notice is that we may need to do this as an away leg and play it at the Mestalla in Valencia, which, of course, Ryan didn't get a chance to go to because, yeah, yeah. because Pulis. Um, so, anyway, uh, I, I, I didn't have a goalkeeper, so I've kind of... Um, yeah, you'll see. Um, um, which Arsenal keeper did he make cry? Who did he make cry? Surely that's the one. If you're Gomez lacking. cried. But was yeah, that Gomez, not yeah, a that, that made it? Uh, yeah, yeah sure. But, but but I don't think that's a score to settle. I think he's very much just, <laughs> just won, that, won that battle. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, in goal is David Cameron. Um, <laughs> now, the reason for that is not uh, Brexit or uh, pig welfare issues. It's um, because. David Cameron presented him with his runners-up medal in the cup final. And I think, for that reason, David Cameron will always give Ryan a tinge of sadness, as he does mm-hmm. the whole nation. Uh, but, um, yeah, David Cameron in goal. In the back, uh, we've got Sol Campbell, uh, hysterical twat. Um, we've got uh, Stephen Hunt of Wolves at left back, uh, because they had, he sort of grabbed his throat once and it was funny. Um, we've got, uh, again... You know, no positional sense in this team at all. We've got uh, Danny Murphy, uh, hysterical twat. Um, Aaron Ramsey uh, doesn't reply to texts. Um, <laughs> Ian, Ian Botham, because it's a beef 11 um, and he's beefy. Uh, we've got a spine, 
just the the idea of a spine. You'd want to just settle that. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, obvious reasons. Diego Costa, because of the whole smelly incident. Marouane Fellaini and Emmanuel Adebayor. So those are 11 people slash concepts who have wronged Ryan Shawcross. And we'd play it at the Mestaya and Ryan would uh, kick all of them, especially Cameron. Tom, let's go with your suggested 11 to play alongside Ryan. I'm not, I'm not even going to debase this conversation with my 11 because my 11 was entirely picked to wind everyone up. It was, it okay. was the 11 footballers I could think of who have played for Stoke and would upset the most people. So moving swiftly on. Well, then let's collectively uh, agree. In goal... Do we go uh, Sorensen or Begovic? Sorensen. Sorensen. Okay, at right back. Bearing in mind, I don't think Andy Wilkinson can play in a testimonial. Do we? Do we bring? Is it our fantasy, and we let him anyway? Or... I think he's allowed to play in a testimonial. Yeah, he can play in a testimonial. No, because he didn't. No, he didn't. That was the thing. He played for like five minutes and then had to come off well, and manage, didn't he? That's fine. Do okay, that again. we'll let that. Fine. Shawcross at centre back. Who's his partner? I think we all who's, know. Who's? At left back, we are going with. Money. Oh, 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 that. Got to sell the tickets, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I know that how you'll feel, but universally agreed that Glenn Whelan's in midfield. Yeah, yeah. Next to him, we're going with Enzonzi because you've got to pick the best players he's played with as well. Well, this is it. But Rory, yeah. though. But Rory. Coach. They did that big hug against Middlesbrough. Oh, we could stick Rory on the right wing and give it the purest throwback. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll go with that. Delap on the right, in right midfield. On left, um, I was stuck because I was like, ooh, an out of it, but then also Etherington. So. I, I mean, I associate Ryan more with. Uh, even though he he played for both teams, so it's slightly ridiculous. I associate Ryan more with the with the cup final lads than I do the uh, yes. the the fun boys of Stoke Alona. We'll go with Edrington then, and then up front we are. I mean, Rick's there, surely. Rick, I would assume. And then who's partnering Rick? Can we partner him with Bojan and a contract for Bojan too? <laughs> no? Rick, I imagine Rick and Bojan playing together. Source, source front two. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to have to pair him with a with a hard worker. So I would personally put John Walters there. Oh, I oh. like Big Mama, but yeah, nah, Walters, true, Walters. true. It's difficult. So many to pick from. Because Ryan Shaw and manager to play with everyone. Manager Nathan would James. have to be Pulis. Okay. <laughs> Paul Lambert. Paul Lambert. Yeah. Sir okay. Alex Ferguson. <laughs> Can you imagine Sir no, Alex having to me. manage the like a team with? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Managing like Rory Delap. I'd love that. That'd be awesome. Ah, oh, it's all. It's quite sad, but also I do hope that if you know. The worst happens and he does go. Uh, the the club will no doubt pay some lovely tribute to him that will make us all tear up. Imagine I mean, I was out. quite, I was I was ready for Crouch to leave, and then when he left and they made a really emotional tribute video to him, I was like, oh okay, well goodbye Crouch, I'm sorry. Like so, God knows how I'll feel when it's a player who I don't actually want to leave. Um, 
Bloody hell. Just, yeah, sad. Will will he go down the crouch route and uh, release a tedious podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what Ryan will do after he finishes playing, you know? No idea. I don't know. Coaching, maybe? Because, I mean... Or maybe he'll just partner up with Crouchy for the big boy. Him podcast. and Robert Hooth are a oh, buddy God. detective cop series. Oh, I know oh, what's happening again. after Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh. yep. Sequel time. <laughs> like this it's like the second series of True Detective where it's just a completely different cast. <laughs> That's how Stoke Detective's gonna go. Oh man. Is there the anything Captain else? Captain and the Kaiser ch- coming soon. <laughs> So is there anything else you two want productions. to talk about? <laughs> um, no. Joe Root. Um, speaking, speaking of beautiful, beautiful captains. Uh, yeah, Joe Root, very much the Ryan Shawcross of the England cricket team. That's nice. Um, other than that, nah. <laughs> In which case then, Dave, thank you very much for joining us today. Have a nice week. Okay. <laughs> Tom... I hope you also have a very nice week. I am that that meme of the man with the twig poking. Stoke City, do something. <laughs> and I hope they do, but we'll find out next time, won't we? Have a nice week, everyone. Stay... Oh, bloody hell, Dave. <laughs> Hi, bro. Hi, fucking podcast here. Go on, Stoke. <laughs> and here's me slagging off Crouch's podcast. <laughs>